you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. As you've noticed, we're doing things a little bit backwards this morning. We will have some music. And as I think about uh, the, the kingdom work that the Campbells are doing, uh, it makes me think of these words in Jeremiah. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Imagine growing up in a world without the scriptures. And the reality is we can't do that. None of us can. We've grown up in a culture where we've had ready access to a copy of the scriptures. Most of us, if you're old enough, you even had these people called the Gideons come to your school when you were a kid and give you a copy of the scriptures. I've got dozens of copies myself. You include my digital stuff. Dozens and dozens of copies, different translations, different access and means to it. And yet there are people, like the Sabu people, who don't even have one gospel translated for them yet. It's not yet completed. Add to the Sabu hundreds of other people groups, probably even right there in Indonesia, and then moving throughout the world who don't have access to God's word in their language. And so today I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to join me in, in joyfully, cheerfully supporting the Campbell family as they're endeavoring to bring God's word to those homes, to those kids, to those people um, who have not yet been able to open up and in their own language read about Jesus. Read the story of Joseph and Ruth. It's just an incredible thing to imagine how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And the Campbells are bringing good news. They're bringing lasting good news, right? It isn't just they're coming in and preaching the messages. They're bringing the message of Jesus in the book form as we have it. So it will remain there with them for generations to come. Beautiful, beautiful work. But before we move to make that commitment to, to partner with this family in their particular work, I want to briefly consider one more fruit of the Spirit with you this morning. And you won't find this one in Galatians 5 either so far. Uh, we have talked about love from Galatians 5, and then last week uh, we looked at gratitude as we see throughout the New Testament that we are a people who are called to show gratitude. Today we're going to talk particularly about the fruit of generosity. The fruit of generosity. Let me read to you from Leviticus 25. Here's what it says. Old Testament law, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. Generosity. 
Proverbs or Psalm 41 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Proverbs 21, 13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. That is a beautiful truth. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to Yahweh and he will repay. In 1 John 3, 16 through 18, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago as we were talking about love. It says this, By this we know love that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. But the text I want us to consider today and spend a little bit more time on is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 1. Here's what it says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor or the grace of taking part in the relief of the saints." And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started to, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Father, as we consider these words this morning in the next few minutes, I pray that the Spirit would produce in us hearts of generosity. Eyes that look, ears that hear, lives that, that engage and learn and show love to the people in need around us. May we be Christ, His body on earth. Help us to understand these truths from 2 Corinthians now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Macedonian Jesus followers, according to Paul, are generous. Paul's writing to the Corinthians about their offering that they're going to give to help the struggling saints who are in Jerusalem. Poverty has hit them by way of persecution, uh, by way of famine, and, and Paul is leading in this effort to raise funds to help these Christians. And so he's writing to the Corinthians to say, you guys should help with this. The Corinthians had a great deal of wealth. 
If you know anything about that particular region, uh, it was a very wealthy region. And in talking with the Corinthians, he brings up the example of the Macedonian churches. Well, the Macedonian circumstances are quite different. The Macedonians, they did not give to this offering out of compulsion, Paul says, but they gave because Christ had changed their lives. They were generous because God had showed grace to them in providing for them salvation freely in their poverty God gave to them. That is this, God gave to them the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, that is now at work inside of them, the Macedonians, producing what? Love. Joy. When the Spirit's inside of us, it produces love and joy and peace and patience. All of this list, it produces gratitude. And guess what else it produces? Generosity. Because what is the Spirit of Christ? It's generous. And when the Spirit is controlling us, when we're yielded to it, we are generous as well. One of the unique things about the Macedonians is uh, they were not rich. They were not like the Corinthians and some of the other regions. They were... Uh, on the contrary, in the absolute contrary, they were poor, and like my mom would say, they were, they were dirt poor. They had really nothing to offer. They could, they could have easily excused themselves from giving, but notice what it says again in verse 2, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to riches in generosity, even in their poverty. The Macedonians put the needs of others above their own. They also gave joyfully, and here we, we begin to interact with the other fruit of the Spirit, right? So, so these work together. They work in tangent. We'll see love present itself in just a moment. In the next chapter, Paul writes that famous line that God loves the, the cheerful giver. God loves the joy-filled giver. And uh, since we're talking about Bible translations, uh, many of you have been here in the past, and you may remember that, that video that we've showed where uh, there's a plane coming and landing uh, on that island of Papua New Guinea. And uh, the people are there gathered, and they're cheering. It's the Kim Yaw people, and they're, they're excited about this plane, but they're not excited about the plane or the pilot. They're excited about the contents. And you remember what was in there? It was copies of the Word of God in their language. And they were so filled with joy, they were, they were weeping, they were cheering. It's a beautiful, beautiful video. What I'll do this week, I'll link that in our email, so if you haven't seen that, you can experience that. There's joy. Joy grows in us when we realize that generosity enables us to lay up treasures, not on earth where there's moth and rust, but in heaven, eternity. It's more blessed to give than receive, as Jesus himself said. The Macedonians were also this. They were generously generous. We've already established they didn't have much, uh, hence the term deep poverty. But Paul also refers to them as rich. Well, how can somebody poor be rich? Well, they were rich in their generosity. In verse 3, we learn that they were generous beyond their ability. In other words, they were sacrificial in their giving, trusting that God would supply. They were also voluntarily generous. This is my favorite part of this passage in this particular story. Paul was not going to ask these churches to help with the offering. 
Because Paul, he's a, he's a conscientious pastor. And he knows these are people who, who are struggling. These are people who could use an offering like this. And so he wasn't going to ask. But when they heard about it, it says they came begging Paul, please show us grace and let us give to this particular project. Incredible evidence of the Spirit at work in the hearts of these people. Their generosity was also for them an act of worship. Verse 5 says this, that they gave themselves first to the Lord Jesus. You know, there's a truth here that when we struggle to produce generosity, when we struggle to give to others who have needs, um, it reveals that there's, there's something, there's someone other than Christ and His Spirit ruling us. Right? Because if, if, if Christ and His Spirit are ruling us, we will have hearts of generosity. We, we will see what, what Jesus sees. We'll be like Jesus when he's there at the, the well outside of the village in Samaria. And he, he says to the disciples, hey, look, the fields are already white to harvest. W what is he seeing when he sees that? He's not seeing crops on the ground. He's seeing the people from the village coming to him. The very same people that the disciples just interacted with when they went in town to get dinner. They didn't see them as Jesus saw them. Jesus sees with a generous heart. We must put on that heart. Finally, I want you to clearly see this, that their generosity was motivated by love. Notice verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence. And remember this, the Corinthians abounded, right? They were very gifted. That's this whole letter that Paul writes to them, the first one. They had all the good gifts. But he says, as you abound in these things and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And I'm not speaking by way of commandment or occasion of forwardness, but to prove the sincerity of your love. Love, that primary fruit of the Spirit, is proved by our generosity. That's what John said in that verse. You can't just love in your word. You love in the deed. You love in the, the action that you perform. Amy Carmichael put it this way, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So friends, today... I want us to consider the fruit of generosity. I, I want you to consider it in its place in, in your life. Is it abundantly growing and producing? Do you see it in your life? Do you see that fruit of generosity in the lives of those around you? Do we see it in our church? And so I'm calling on us today to be generous as we give to missions so that we can support families like the Campbells who are bringing God's word to people who don't have it. So we can continue to support the Alsips, the Coolballs, the Houghtons, the McClure's, the Longs, the Richards, the Shadles so that we can continue to faithfully support those who are partnering with our church, 
They're in the places that we're not. And they're bringing the gospel message to bear on those people. All over the world. I'm asking you today to, to consider even giving above what you would regularly give to missions. Every year, this time of year, we raise a special offering so that we can be a special blessing to our missions families. And so this year, I'm just simply calling it the 2020 offering. If we can raise $2,020, uh, we will be able to give those funds to our missionaries just as a Christmas bonus here at the end of the year bring some extra support to our Mana Feeding Center in Fiji that has been somewhat under-supported this year. Uh, that's not just simply due to us. That's due to just the, the, the struggling economy of other churches that support that work as well. 2020. What part can you play in that? I'm calling on you to be generous as you regularly give to our church offering so that we can continue to do the ministry that, that we do. Uh, I mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, the opportunity we have to take the lead in our community in, in providing utility assistance for, for many who are struggling. And uh, many of those funds have been granted to us to give out, but there's other times where we kick in some extra. How do we do that? Because we have the extra because of your generosity. Uh, because of your generosity, there was a, a young lady that I talked to just this week. And I just made the phone call. She had turned in an application, just said, hey, just want to let you know, we're going to be able to take care of your, your bill that's passed due. And she immediately broke down in tears. As a burden weighing on her that your generosity was able to relieve before Thanksgiving even. We want to continue to do that. We want to continue to provide and meet the needs of people in our own community. And that requires our giving. I'm calling on you to be generous as you give locally to our local organizations and charities. Maybe, maybe you give uh, internationally to charities, and that's fantastic. Continue to do that. But as we support even with like cans of fruit, people helping people, and other organizations in our community. Republic Nursing and Rehab. Uh, every year we adopt 20-ish residents from there. This year I said, we're going to adopt, I think I told her 25. We're going to step it up this year. And if you haven't been able to adopt one of those, you can sign up downstairs. There's a few left. You'll be able to be a blessing to them. But, but beyond this, beyond the organizations that exist, I'm just, all of us, we have to open our eyes and open our ears to what's going on around us. Because the people you interact with are divine appointments that God places in your life. You hear about families that I'll never hear about. You live next door to families that I'll never live next door to. And if we're going to have this, this heart of generosity, it starts with just a a love for them, a love for our neighbors, a love that, that goes enough to engage in their life, to learn where they need help. 
and then to give them the help. And you may be able to do that individually. That may be something you can do within your family. If you feel like this person needs help, I don't have the ability to do it. Please bring it to myself, to our deacons, and as a church, we'll do whatever we can to try to help meet those needs in our community. We want to be that light. I'm calling on you today not just to be generous with your money, but with your time, with your life. Be willing to serve. Sometimes it's not giving of money. Sometimes it's just time and maybe a few carbs that you burn in helping somebody move something. Keep your eyes open. Maybe it's helping be a listener for Awana Clubs. It's those who faithfully serve in the nursery or make sure our building's clean before a Sunday. Be willing to help out around the house. Be willing to provide a, a listening ear, a word of counsel to somebody who's struggling. Maybe you work with them. Maybe they're a complete stranger. We cannot be like the priests. We cannot be like the Levite who when we see someone in need move to the other side of the road. We've got to be the Samaritan who stops, who learns, and who loves. We've got to engage the people around us. I want to conclude this morning by reminding you that, that today is the first Sunday of the Advent season, noted by the one candle that's burning this morning. Today we recognize hope. Hope. That's something that a lot of people don't have. And, and I think it's something you're here today because you you know hope. And it's not a word, it's a person. It's a savior. And we want the world in darkness around us to know that same hope. Paul's crescendo moment is verse 9, at least for me, where he says, be generous because you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. But for our sake, he became poor. So that we in our poverty might become rich. That is good news. What amazing love. During this Advent, Christmas season, we celebrate a couple of things. One, the blessing, the riches that Jesus came to give us. It is a joy-filled time of the year. But secondly, we celebrate also this, his poverty, his generosity, his sacrifice, his willingness to empty himself to put on human form and to suffer. And to suffer in the worst way a person could suffer on the cross, separated from the goodness of God. 
this holiday season, let's share that generosity of Jesus by yielding our money, our time, our lives to the Holy Spirit. May he produce in us an abundance of generosity. And I just don't, I don't, I don't want us just to have a little snippet of, of November, December to be a generous people. It's not what I mean by highlighting that this time of year, but it is a good time of year to highlight it. But this is what we're called to. This is what Jesus lived. This is what he calls us to live as we are his body on earth. And so I'm going to ask you if you would just, just bow your head for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to interact with the truths we've considered this morning, to pray, to maybe, maybe there's commitments you need to make. Maybe there's confession. There's been some, some selfishness, some greed in you that's kept you from being generous. I don't know the state of your heart, your life, but I do know what God wants from us, what fruit he longs to produce in us. And so I want to give you an opportunity to pray before we move to an official vote on taking the Campbells on for support. Father, we rejoice in the willingness of Jesus to become poor so that we might become rich. That's why we're here today, because we are rich in grace. Because you have given us your spirit, your spirit compelling us to be here, and I, I pray today specifically that your spirit would compel us to be generous. Generous as we consider missions, generous as we consider uh, just our local ministries and people that are in need right here on our streets, in our communities. Help us to use the resources that you've given us, whether that is our money or time, our energy, to step into the lives of other people and to be Christ, to represent as ambassadors Him. We thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Help us to be on the lookout this week and next week and in the weeks to come for people who are in need. People who are in need of maybe help with an electric bill, but ultimately people who are in need of hope. People who need Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.